This is Abdul from Integrate That. Do you remember your childhood dreams? You know, the wild dreams that inspired you to do something great. As a child, I remember reading the magazines about Prince Nassim Hamid, the infamous British Yemeni boxer winning a bout after a bout. I would sometimes go to bed thinking of being a boxer when I grow up, just like Prince Hamid. A couple of years later, when I was about 13, the local TV would show some highlights from the NBA. And again, I remember going to bed and dreaming of becoming an NBA player. Unfortunately, I did not realize these dreams. I'm not a boxer and I can't play basketball very well. Syria is not known for its sports programs or support for athletes. In Syria, football is huge. It has the biggest following. But the Syrian team is awful. We never qualified for the World Cup. While the national team of any country has the backing of the government and the people, I can't really say the same about Syria. In Syria, you need to support the regime and praise the president to be selected for the national team. The president of the sports bureau is a general in the army. The photo of the president is printed on the player's t-shirt, along with the word, we love you. After every win, the players dedicate the win to the president and thank him for his support. The same president who is responsible for over half a million's death and displacement of over 9 million refugees. The reason why I am a refugee. But when a refugee with so much potential leaves their home with nothing but the clothes they're wearing and a dream of becoming a world champion, things might come their way. This wouldn't be possible without having the right programs to support refugees and the help of the local communities. Today, I couldn't be more proud of my guest, who's actually my students in Syria. I used to be his private tutor because he was my neighbor and his brother was my friend. Stay tuned to hear Ahmed's story. He's the first refugee to compete in the men's cycling with the refugee Olympic team at the Tokyo Olympics. Okay, um, so let's go back a little bit and let's go back to Aleppo. Uh, you are from Aleppo. Yeah. We were neighbors, you and I. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember your brother shouting at you, go to practice. Yeah. And I remember you buying some tuna cans to eat. It, it's, it, was, it was such an awful situation to think that you were cycling in, in the worst streets in Aleppo to go yeah. to Tokyo. So could you please tell me, how did you cycle in Aleppo? Tell me about your experience in cycling in Aleppo. Okay, um, it's a good question. Actually, Syria, it's not really famous country for cyclists, but the weather, it's really very good weather to, to, to have a long ride in the winter, in the summer. You know, Aleppo, it's like industry city. It's a big city, sports city. It's bring many athletes for the world. Aleppo, it's really something special for me. And when, when I start cycling, yes, I, I get a lot of support from my brother, from the family, from the friends. And 
in this time, I, I was really dreaming about the Olympic Games and many, you, you know, friends and family, they was laughing. No, it's impossible, you know. I mean, Aleppo cycling and especially road cycling sport, it's like, you know, it's only for Europeans. You you have to be like with a strong team. You have to ride like uh, Tour de France, Giro Italia. Like I had the fun in Aleppo. I start like in the small club. But uh, for C, it was the, the biggest club, like uh, Aleti Had. <laughs> so uh, then I, um, I was invited to the national team. Then uh, I was qualified for the world in uh, Russian, in Moscow. I think all the, the big events gave me more chance and to give me like motivation to, to start and to looking just for the big, uh, big goals. But especially the road, it's really nice. And you find, you know, when, when you go out like direction Turkey or Latakia, you find many small village. Uh, they have like history, like castle and many, many uh, amazing area. And especially the road was like my dream to move from Aleppo to Latakia to, to, to do the sea, like in holiday with the bicycle like 200 kilometer and you you get a lot of climbs and a little bit flat area so uh, aleppo it's really it's it's the beginning from from my uh, <laughs> from my successful from cycling <laughs> so you moved from from aleppo and then you decided yeah. to go to europe and it wasn't an easy transition for you you moved from aleppo then you arrived in Switzerland after a long journey, Aleppo, Lebanon, Turkey, Europe. How did you get used to living in Switzerland? Um, actually, Switzerland was not the goal to, to come to Switzerland. It was like one stop to, to continue my journey. But when I arrived to Switzerland, I was really surprised about the mountains and the lakes especially uh, Geneva Lakes was like something I never see before. And uh, I think I was in, in love in these mountains and lakes. And I was thinking, okay, also from, from the politics side, Switzerland, it's very neutral. And that's why in, in this moment, I was like, it's enough for all politics and what's happened in Syria. And I mean, also Switzerland, it's, it's really, it's like center of Europe. It's in the middle. So, and I was thinking, okay, um, I hope uh, maybe I can have a chance and start again to to have uh, like a good future and uh, not only in the sports, I mean in general. Uh, but did you get back to sports immediately or did you take some time off? Um, for sure, I take some, some time off. It was not easy to find a team to, to ride again. To I mean, you know, in Europe in winter, it's, it's very cold. And uh, I arrived actually in 2014, um, end of October. And it was like, you know, it was the, the winter coming and off season for cyclists and all the most professional riders, they go to the south, like, uh, you know, to Spain or uh, south of French. And Switzerland was very cold. I mean, I never has been in country like Switzerland. It was like a shock for me. But um, anyway, uh, I take like a break. And then uh, 2015, I was just love to, to ride my bicycle again, to have like, you know, like therapy, to forget what's happened, to focus in the future. 
to 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 be continue i mean the life the life it can be continue whatever can happen with you actually cycling helped me a lot to to find like company uh, friends family uh, and to 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 be integrated so uh, yeah it was not easy <laughs> When Ahmed arrived in Switzerland, he didn't speak German and didn't have friends in there. It was winter, he was separated from his family and couldn't really see any chance of going back into cycling. So he took a break and started seeing a therapist. The psychologist helped him process the pain, grief and the things he witnessed in Syria. Mental health is one of the toughest problems many refugees go through. I went through it and I still have nightmares. Seeking help was important because it helped Ahmed get back into cycling. Ahmed started taking language lessons, joined a team, and started competing locally in Europe. His good results made him eligible to apply for partial scholarship from the refugee Olympic team to help him continue his dream. A couple of months before the Olympics, he was selected as the only cyclist in the men's team. There was another cyclist for the women's category. The refugee Olympic team had 25 athletes from many war-torn countries. Then you, so you started cycling, you started, you know, competing locally, you got some good results, then you went to Tokyo. I was talking to you when you were in Tokyo, uh, and yeah. then you told me that the opening ceremony was very emotional. Can you please tell me about the opening ceremony? Yes, I seen from the opening ceremony. You know how many TVs and, and people look to you and, uh, you know, it's something very special. And for me also was uh, to, to present the refugee Olympic team. So it's like more than you present my the mother uh, country, you present like um, 82 million around the world. So, uh, and it was, it was really, really, you know, I feel like proud to, to present all these people because I know what is refugee. I, I feel it and I know what's mean. You feel country and to be refugee and start again. Uh, you know, it's not really sport. It's more than you have like a message for the people, for hope. I seen all people say in the Olympic Games was that the hashtag for the Olympics uh, stronger together. Yes, uh, it was very emotional for me. Uh, and even, you know, for, for me personally, I, I dream it really when I was kids and I say it when I was kid for all the friends and the close friends and and then finally I, I reached my dream and many people's like close friends they they read me it was so nice to see you and um, unbelievable to, to see you in the opening ceremony so uh, I think I, I make like my family and the friends like proud to 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 reach your dream in in such diff difficult way, you know, I mean, uh, Olympics, uh, it's a lot of work to, to, to just to have to qualify. And all these works, I, I do it by myself. For sure, I had like, um, you know, friends who support me, who believe in me, but not like if a normal athlete, let's to, to see from America or like other country who, who the country and the government support since 14 years eh? so uh, for me it was like a lot of work it's make me proud and i hope it will be like more to, to to give me more more chance for the future 
I was watching the opening just to watch my friends in the opening ceremony. While it was really sad to say that there are over 80 million refugees around the world, it was nice to see someone trying to compete against all the odds and represent those affected by war. After the race, Ahmed posted on Instagram that he was really emotional at the start-finish line. He remembered his late father, who passed away while Ahmed was in Switzerland, and he couldn't even go to his funeral. He also thought of his older brother, who was his coach when he was little. Ahmed's story really inspired me and inspires others who have lost everything they owned. But what I liked about your story is not only that you're my friend and I love you, and that's not the only thing, <laughs> yeah. but also the fact that you work, you have a job, and you train yes. after your job, and yet you are competing against the best in the world. How do you do that? How do you combine a full-time job with full-time training? Yes, it's sometimes like, like make me crazy, but uh, I love my job uh, in, in the sport and in the normal job, in normal life. I work um, in the old city center uh, of the capital country of uh, Switzerland in Bern. And uh, I work in a sport shop uh, for running shoes. Uh, I'm a salesman and do analysis for people who need like support to get the right, the right shoes. So um, for me, it's not, you know, the life, it's not only sports. So I have like other life to, to have, you know, like, like free share for your hand. And to, to be like, okay, I'm a sportman and I have my bicycle, I train and, and I have like competition, but otherwise I have like other life to, to be safe because sometimes like last year, it was very hard moments for uh, the cyclings. Uh, actually, I stopped last year uh, to work, to, to, to get like better level, to, to have like... Uh, you know, better preparation, but uh, now when the corona starting with COVID, you know, it was very difficult. So and I back again to the work. And actually, uh, Switzerland is such expensive country. So without work, I cannot leave from from the cyclings. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Actually, yes, because the other like you know close friends here in Switzerland, they have more support than me. They have like. Um, more sponsor I know uh, and I have understanding for that you know the company from Switzerland want to give the chance for the Swiss athlete not you know from from someone not you know not present for the Swiss country but uh, I mean I doesn't care I mean sport it's like that and uh, yes my dream to to have like uh, full full sport career until Paris and uh, now, uh, yeah, we are in focus to 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 have uh, the the best the, the best you know the the, the best uh, preparation for Paris. What is really remarkable about Ahmed's story is that he was working part time as a salesman and training after work. He had a partial scholarship from the refugee Olympic team, but it does not cover all of his expenses. He was not sponsored by the Swiss Federation because he's not Swiss national. 
Because of his work, he sometimes misses competing in competitions in Europe and in other countries. But whenever and wherever he's racing, he knows he's racing for personal reasons to inspire others. Yes, uh, for sure. Uh, my message is really believe in yourself and just be like positive, positive, you know, person and just trim it for what what you you love to have and really believe in yourself if you dream it and you you can you can really you can with hard work and with you know yeah with with believing you you can you can reach your dream and uh, i say as as always uh, life like a bicycle to to keep your balance you you should moving right so just moving and believe in yourself and take me as an example i mean when i failed my country was the dream to the olympics was zero chance but i think everything can happen so uh, just believe in yourself and <laughs> go through it <laughs> Uh, I think I will pick up a bike and uh, start cycling and challenge you <laughs> in the next Olympics. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Ahmed left Syria in 2014 with nothing on him but his clothes and a yellow Tour de France t-shirt. He hasn't seen his family since he left. He is now preparing for France 2024 after having competed in the Tokyo Olympics. He now lives and trains in Switzerland. Integrate That is presented by me, Abdul Wahab Tahan. Music and sound design is by Trustin Kent. <laughs>